You are welcome to the teaching ministry of Reverend Dr. Femi Olaleye Oikia Christian Center Global. Get set to be at the fire. The word works. Hallelujah. All right. So we have been looking at the uh, hmm, doctrinal matters, and I'm trying to. I was trying to lay a foundation last week, and we will build on that today. Praise the Lord. We'll build on that today. Amen. Now, last week we um, <clears throat> we looked at and began to explain the word doctrine. Doctrine. That word doctrine. Now, I, I get a lot of, you know, a lot of um, doctrine gets a lot of bad press. Especially since it seems to put us in kind of like prison, so to speak, of what we can do and not do. So people now begin to, you know, cast aspersion on doctrine. All right? The doctrine of Christ is the foundation on which every single thing that occurs in the church of Jesus Christ is built. You cannot worship outside of the doctrine of Christ because it will be vain worship if it is not based on the doctrine of Christ. Now, the, remember we said last week the word doctrine appears 51 times in the Bible. Six times in the Old Testament, but 45 times in the New. Uh, 12 times in the Gospels, four times in Acts, 20 times in the Epistles, and thrice in Revelations. Then we were able to look at the different words translated doctrine or teaching in the Scriptures. We started with the word didache. That is D-I-D-A-C-H-E, didache, which refers to a set of instruction or speaking that communicates religious instruction. We stress that the Dache speaks more to the system or approach in communication, the style, the way it is said, the way that communication is made. And we are going to be sitting down and examining this before we will now take all we have said to answer the first doctrinal question, all right, in this series, which will be, should women... Or can women be preachers? Hallelujah. Can women be preachers? All right? Very important because I have a lot of folks, especially um, there are um, a lot of um, theological sects, you know. <laughs> I call them theological sects. That's the best way I put it. All right? Um, of, the, of, the, of several persuasions, we actually interpret the writings of Paul all right, to mean that women cannot pastor and that any church where a woman is pastoring is in direct contradiction, all right, with the, you know, dictates of Scripture. Now, when you see someone have a position like that, your response is not for you. The response for you is not for you to have an emotional response. No, your, your response has to be based on the word. Are you following? And it has to be based on the word, but you now have to learn how to respond to such questions in a um in the way jesus did you know with jesus did that you understand with jesus style with jesus manner of approach now let me show you something turn to matthew chapter 7 verse 28 i think i should just dive in now amen matthew 7 28 what does he say i hope we have it on the screen this time and everybody's not going to look at me funny when i'm expecting it to be on screen now, Matthew 7, 28, look how it says. It says, and it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these things, the people were astonished at his what? Talk to me now. At his what? 
doctrine. Remember I told you that every time the word is used, every time the word doctrine is used in connection to Jesus, the translation is what? Didache. Not didaskala. All right? It's didache. All right? He said, and it came to pass. Uh -huh. Then look at 29. Look at what he said. Now remember, this is what that gives, this, this 29 gives us an inkling to understanding what they were astonished by. They were not just astonished by what he said. They were astonished by how he said it. He says, for he taught them as one having what? Authority and not as what? Describes. So that authority there, Exusia, they are talking about he had mastery. Are you following that? He had what? Mastery. He had understanding. The scribes just came to vomit what they were told. Jesus spoke with, like someone who had an understanding of the scriptures. So when he spoke, he spoke with authority because authority in preaching and teaching, all right, is built on understanding. So if you, do, if you lack understanding, you will not have the conviction necessary to teach with authority. Praise God. All right? If you lack understanding. Now, let us now look at an example of how Jesus thought this way. Now, look at St. Luke's Gospel 24, 27. All right? St. Luke's Gospel 24, 27 and 44. Now, the scribes had a mode, a way of teaching. In that, the scribes thought with a... The scribes and the Pharisees, they interpreted scriptures on a reference basis. How do I mean? So, for example, if you go to Matthew chapter 19, there was a conversation concerning divorce and remarriage, something like that. Matthew 19. Okay, can we go there first? Go to Matthew 19, 1. I want to show you something. So, what the scribes and Pharisees used to do was that they would go to a particular scripture and make their stand on just one scripture. Like many people do today. Are you following? So they make their stand on one scripture. Okay? Look at Matthew 9. And it came to pass. Um, it says, that when Jesus had finished this saying, he departed from Galilee and came into the coast of Judea beyond Jordan. Um, let's go. Verse 2. He says, and he had followed him and he healed them there. Verse 3. I think it's verse 6 we are going to. Verse 3 now says what? The Pharisees also came up to him, tempting him and saying unto him, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every what? For every cause. Next verse. Verse 4. And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read? Are you noticing? Now, when they came to him, say, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? They were quoting from one verse of the book of Moses. Where Moses gave permission for men to put away their wives. Are you following? Now, what did Jesus do? I'm going to show you this methodology of Jesus. Now, what did Jesus do? And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he which made them at the what? Talk to me now. At the what? Notice, he goes to where? Genesis. Amen. So, he's saying, You want to come to me concerning a subject quoting Moses in Exodus or Deuteronomy. But to get an understanding of this subject, we need to start from Moses in what? Genesis. Why? Because Genesis is before the fall of man. 
Genesis is before unbelief has entered. Are you following? So, you get to see a, the mind of God concerning certain subject matters before Genesis 3. Because the mind of God concerning that matter before the fall of man shows you what God's perfect will was. Are you following? Uh-huh. So, he said, and, and he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he, that he which made them at the beginning in Genesis made them what? Male and what? Female. Mm. Next verse. Verse 5. Next up, what does he say? And said, for this what? He's still causing Genesis, Genesis 2. He says, for this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to what? His wife, and dwell twain shall be what? One flesh. So that means in God's plan, it is one flesh, no separation. Are you following? Uh-huh. Now, what did they do? The Pharisees now take Jesus back to Moses in Exodus. This is Exodus Deuteronomy, one of the other books. Verse 6. Pay attention. What does he say? Verse 6. Wherefore, there are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God at what joined together, let no man what put asunder. Later on, we now begin to find out that the discussion concerning let no what God has joined together, let no man put asunder, is beyond marriage. It's beyond man and woman. It's actually about man and what and Christ. For it is man and Christ that God has joined together in salvation. He says, let no man what? Put asunder. So that means no man can put asunder what God has what? Joined together. Are you, are you following? Huh. Now. Wherefore, there are no more twin but one flesh. Wherefore, what God, therefore, what therefore God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Look at verse 7. They say unto him, why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away. Good question. Because you are quoting Moses, we are quoting Moses too. But what did Jesus now say? Look at verse 8. Alright, 8. What does he say? He said unto them, go back, 8. He said unto them, Moses because of what? Now, what does that tell us? It means that what Jesus quoted from Genesis, from the beginning, was before the heart of men became what? Hard. It was before unbelief and sin. Are you following? Which, was, which means, the reason why men now want to divorce their wives is because their heart has gotten what? Hard. So Moses, realizing that the hearts of men were what? Hardened. Praise God. Alright, so that they don't go and kill their wives. Said, if you don't like the woman again, rather than punch her, let her go. So he's telling you that that instruction by Moses was not the initial plan. Are you following? So we now begin to see that when we read Moses, we see the perfect plan, then we see the word addition to the plan because of the hardness of whose heart? Men's heart. Are you following now? Come on, are you following now? So there are certain instructions we find that were there, that were not a perfect revelation of the will and the plans of God, but they are what? They are there because man at that time, in that state where Moses was talking to them, were what? In unbelief and they had a hardened heart. Praise God. Jesus shows us that. Amen. So, in Jesus' mode, 
of explaining and explaining scriptures, Jesus does not take one reference. Jesus will begin at Moses. He will start with Genesis. Are you following that? Let's look at um, Luke 24, 27. So whenever there is any conversation, whenever there is any doctrinal thing, you need to study and or explain like Jesus did. Now in Luke chapter 24 and 27, Jesus was walking with some group, all right, to Emmaus. And they were talking about how someone, Jesus, had um, been, you know, been crucified. Then Jesus was now trying to explain to them, Jesus actually rebuked them. He said, oh fools, and slow of hearts to believe all that the prophets have said. Look at it, all right? Uh, let's start from verse 25, Luke 24, 25. Follow me, oh. You see this preamble I'm doing? It's important, too. So that when I start, we start taking subject matters and pieces in them, you understand? Are you following? Uh-huh. So you don't know, and say, transfer wearing is wrong. Transfer wearing is not wrong. Mm-mm, don't be, you are not a, you are in Okia, amen. You, you are not seen, <laughs> you understand? This is a Bible teaching church. You can't be, you can't be responding to Conversations like a market theologian. Are you following what I'm saying? Or a nursery school person. Mm-mm. You will take the matter. Then you will do like Jesus did. Now, he says, then he said unto them, all fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. So what is he saying? He is saying that every single thing as regards my death, my burial resurrection, the prophet said it. Are you following? <laughs> he said, he said, then he said the old fools and slow of to believe all that the prophets have spoken. So the prophets have spoken it, which means it's in the scriptures. Hallelujah. Next verse 26. Ought not Christ to have what? Suffer these things and to enter into what? His glory. What did he now tell them? Do next 27. Everybody says what? And beginning at what? And what? All the prophets. Where does he start? Moses. He starts to talk about salvation, the death of the Lamb, the resurrection and the ascension from Moses. So, when we read Matthew 19, where does he reference? When they are asked about divorce, where does he reference? Genesis. Is that not Moses? Is that not the beginning? So you can see that method, that system. He began at Moses. Beginning and Moses, then the next one he says, and what? All the prophets. You see that? So that means after you have finished showing, explaining it from Moses, where do you go to again? All the prophets. Next one. He now says, he expounded unto them. That word expounded is the Greek word deyamenio. All right? Deyamenio. That is daya. Deyamenio. Uh, that's talking about interpretation or exegesis. So what Jesus did here was that he translated, interpreted scripture. So that is like uh, teaching, then quoting from this place, then quoting from this place, then co- you understand, then bringing it together. The Pharisees and Sadducees did not do that. In Jesus' teaching style, we begin to find that Every doctrinal truth that is a doctrine of Christ is consistent through Moses, through the prophets, and in all the scriptures. 
One rule of Bible doctrine is consistency. Is what? Consistency. If it is not consistent, it is not true. If it is not consistent, it is not true. If you cannot find it in Moses, in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all right, and find it in the prophets, hallelujah, and find it in Psalms, it's not true. Glory to God. It's not true. Look at St. Luke's Gospel and verse 43 and 44. Let's see what he says. St. Luke's Gospel. 24, 43. Sorry. St. Luke's Gospel 24. Is that know what I said? 24. 46. And said unto them, no, and thus it is written. Okay, maybe it's another translation I'm using. And thus it behoved Christ to suffer. So he is proving, hallelujah, from the scriptures that Christ was supposed to suffer. Are you following? Now, I want you to notice something that Jesus rises from the dead. Jesus rises from the dead. All right. And when he rises from the dead, he does not use his experience to teach Bible truth. He doesn't come and say, you see, oh, he didn't come and tell us what happened in hell. Notice the disciples never tell us what happened in hell based on what Jesus said. They told us, told us what happened in hell as the scripture said. For it is written, he led captivity captive. Are you, are you following? Are you following? Which means... Jesus always places scripture above experience. For the experience or what is seen or what Jesus accomplished was for one purpose and one purpose alone, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. So when you are looking at what was recorded, you will find out that in the Gospels, the accounts of the Gospels were to link what happened through Jesus or what Jesus did to what was prophesied, what was written? Because Jesus is the fulfillment of what was written. Hallelujah. Jesus is the fulfillment of what was written. So he said, and said that thus it is written. He said, thus it is written. And thus it behoved Christ to suffer. And to rise from the dead the third day. So this dead, this one that Jesus rose from the dead the third day, he rose on the third day. Why? Because what? It was written. Where was it written? Hosea chapter 6. Turn in there. We will come back here. So why was it three days? Because it was written. Jonah stayed in the belly of a fish three days. As a sign that Jesus would die and be in the belly of the earth. Three days it was written. For Jesus came to fulfill what the prophets had written. Because it was by fulfilling what the prophets had written that we will know that he is the Messiah. For the writings of the prophets are the signposts, glory to God, 
for us, the readers, to know that this Jesus called the Christ is Messiah. Savior of the world. Hallelujah. So we do not say he's Messiah because our parents are Christians and they told us he's Messiah. <clears throat> no. We do not even say he's Messiah because we had a vision and saw him and he told us. No. We say he's Messiah because the scriptures say he's Messiah. We quote Isaiah, we quote Jeremiah, we quote Moses, we quote uh, uh, um, Samuel, we quote David, and we say, in Jesus, David is fulfilled, Isaiah is fulfilled, Jeremiah is fulfilled, Moses is fulfilled, this is the Christ. Are you with me? Are you with me? Yeah. Because if it is based on experiences, it's subjective. <laughs> Amen. Because I could see a Jesus that has several heads. And you can see a Jesus that has two. And I can see a Jesus that has tail. And I can see a Jesus that has long tongue. You understand? And one, you see Jesus that is black. And I can see one that is brown. And it's subjective. Everybody will not be confused. The scriptures remain the standard for Christian conviction. Amen. He said, Come, let us return unto the Lord. For he hath torn, and he will heal us. He has smitten, and he will build us up. Look at verse 2. Verse 2 now says, After two days, will he what? Revive us. In the third day, he will what? Raise us up. And we shall live where? In his sight. Praise God. Go back to Luke 24 and 46. So, we've seen in 27, beginning at Moses. Then in Luke 24, 46, and said unto them, Thus is written, and thus it be of Christ to suffer, and to rise from the dead the third day. For 47? What does it now say? And that... Uh, okay. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Can we go to 44, please, of Luke 24? I think that's where I was going, where it goes. And he said, on the, he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet what? With you. That all things must be what? Uh-huh. Which were written where? In the law of Moses, number one. And in the what? prophets, number two, and in the what? Concerning who? Me. Are you seeing that? So, he traces and his teaching was based on the law, the prophets, and what? The Psalms. So, Jesus never did this teaching of scripture. For example, someone comes and says, and, um, for example, um, women should not wear trousers. Then they now go and sit down on Deuteronomy 25. Are you following? Then they're arguing Deuteronomy 25. 25. If you wear trousers, you're going to hell. If you wear trousers, you're going to hell. You understand? The way Jesus would explain that trouser, he will not sit in Deuteronomy 25. Do you know what he will do? He will start at Moses. Glory to God. Then he will enter into the prophets. Are you seeing that? Then he will enter into the Psalms. I don't know. Are you following what I'm saying here? Alright? Then he will enter into the Gospels. Then he will enter into the Epistles. Then he will come back to Deuteronomy 22.5. You will now see, you now come and say, you will find out from all the scriptures we have read that trouser and women don't appear in the same place. Are you following? Are you following? And that trouser is not a clothing that is unique to women. 
And the scripture in the 22.5 where it says, A woman shall not wear that which pertains to a man, neither a man pertains to a woman, was talking in context of idolatry. You understand? You get what I'm talking about? And you now begin to talk about that. He's talking about ceremonial laws of uncleanness. Because if a woman, according to the law, wears a cloth and she menstruates on it, all right, that cloth is what? Unclean. So you now begin to link it. You look at the law. You talk about ceremonial unclean. Are you following what I'm talking about? Before you know it, you will now find that the person's ignorance will begin to show. Praise God. Come on, praise the Lord. And light will enter. Praise God. I said praise God. All right. So you see that. So it says, all right, the law, the prophets, and the Psalms concerning me. Now, I want to, to show you something very important that I think that everybody should know. And it is this. The Bible refers, when you find the word scripture in the Bible, it is referring to Genesis to Malachi. Genesis to Malachi. That's the, that, that is what referring to. Genesis to Malachi. I'll give you examples. Look at Matthew chapter 21, 42. So, Matthew to Revelations is not called scripture in the Bible. Does it mean it is not scripture? No. But it is not called it in the Bible. You understand what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? It's not called it in the Bible. Okay? Alright, and I will explain what the Gospels and Revelations are called. Praise the Lord. It doesn't mean the Gospels and Revelations are not inspired. It's inspired. It's inspired word of God. Praise God. But it is not called, the screen itself, can you fix that? Alright, it is not called scriptures in the Bible. I, I, I'll show you something. Look at Matthew chapter 21. And verse 42. Are you there? Now, don't misinterpret what I'm saying. No. Don't go and say, Pastor Femi said, Matthew to uh, Revelation is not the Bible. That's not what I said, though. That's what I said. I said, when you see scripture in the Bible, even in the epistles, it is referring to Genesis to Malachi. I will prove it because you will find out that in, um, in those places in the Bible, you're going to find out something very interesting in that when they quote the scripture, it's usually Genesis to Malachi they quote. No epistle reference the gospel. Are you following? The only place we find that a New Testament writer was referenced was in 2 Peter, chapter 3, when Peter referenced the writings of Paul in his epistles. And he said, uh, they, which, 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 script, which words, whose words they rest, as they rest the other scriptures. Are you following that? Uh-huh. You get. Because the text materials of the early church were not the Gospels or the epistles. It was Genesis to Malachi. Those were the text materials. But the epistles were the letters to explain 
So the epistles are the explanation. So that's why when you read it, you will find out that the epistles will copiously explain and quote from the Old Testament writings. Do you understand? Okay. Let's, let's look at this quickly. Matthew 21, 42. Those of you online, all right, you can share the link. Let us bring a lot more people into this. Um, you can put what you're learning on Twitter. Use the hashtag. I think what's the hashtag again? Pastor Okay. What's it? Uh, search. No, there's an Okia there. Okia Mega. Okia is Mega. So we can find what you're saying. Matthew 21, 42. Look at this. Jesus said unto them, Did ye never read in the scriptures? Are you noticing? In the what? Scriptures. Now, Jesus now quotes the scripture he's referring to. He says, the stone which the builders rejected, the same is become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it's a marvelous in our eyes. Where is Jesus quoting from? Jesus is quoting from Psalm 118 and verse 22. Okay? It's quoting from Psalm 118 verse 22. So, the scriptures is referring to Genesis to Malachi. Psalms is Genesis to Malachi. Amen. Psalm 118, verse 22. Can you turn it there quickly? Psalm 118 and 22. Hallelujah. The stone which the builders refused is become the headstone of the corner. Are you, are you seeing that? So Jesus quotes there. Let me show you another example of Jesus quoting scriptures. When they come to ask of, um, Jesus about whether um, we marry after... You know, after death, during the resurrection, look at how Jesus answers. Look at Matthew chapter 22, 29. Matthew 22:29. Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err, not knowing the what. Talk to me. Not knowing the what. Now, when Jesus tells Jews, And says, you err, not knowing the scriptures. He's not saying they don't, they don't, um, he's not saying they don't, they can't quote it. Because if you understand the Jewish religion, by the time a child, all right, is doing his bar mitzvah, or by the time somebody, because you know, I was talking to Pharisees here, all right, by the time somebody becomes a rabbi, he is able to quote the, what? The writings of Moses by heart. Because men who don't realize it, but many of the, 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 the writings, the Bible, was preserved because a lot of people, because then they didn't have printing machine and all the technology they have now, the way they preserved the, write, uh, the, the book was that they copied it. They had to copy it out. So there are some folks that their job was just to be copied. So they made manuscripts. You understand? So they made copies of the Bible by always copying it. And many other times, you had that they copy it, then they actually had to put it to memory. You understand? What Jesus is telling us is this. The fact that you can memorize scripture and quote it does not mean you understand it. Go back there. He said, you do err, not knowing the scriptures. Matthew 22, 29. You do err, not knowing the scriptures. 
nor the power of God. Now go to verse 30. Let's see what he quotes. He says, for in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are what? Angels of God in where? Next verse, 31. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have you not read that which was spoken unto you by who? By God. Saying, next verse. Now he quotes a scripture. I am the God of what? Abraham. And the God of what? Isaac. And the God of what? Jacob. God is not the dead, God of the dead, but of the living. Are you seeing this? Now, where is he quoting from? Exodus chapter 3. Are you seeing that? You do err not knowing the scriptures. The scripture he quotes is Exodus chapter 3. Not 1 Corinthians. It quotes Exodus chapter 3 and verse 6. Exodus 3, 6. Glory to God. Moreover, I said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face. So what Jesus is saying that when God said, I am the God of Abraham, it means Abraham was alive. Amen. That though the fact that you don't see him physically does not mean he doesn't exist. So he's saying, Abraham is physically dead, but I am still his God. Isaac is physically dead, but I am physically because Isaac is alive. He's the God. So he's saying, God is the God of the living, not the dead. Are, are, you, are, you, are, you, are you following? So he's not saying, I was the God of Abraham. Mm -mm. There cannot be wars. If God is the God of Abraham, he's still the God of Abraham. Because Abraham is alive. In Christ. Hallelujah. That's what he said. And he bases the conviction on what the prophets have said. He quotes Exodus. Hallelujah. So in 2 Timothy 3.16, when he says all scriptures, when Paul was telling Timothy, all scriptures is given by the what? Inspiration of God. The all scriptures he's talking about is what? Genesis to what? Malachi. Because it's consistent. Because the scriptures they quoted during the time of Paul was Genesis to what? Malachi. They, they, <laughs> Amen. Amen. Because if you are going to engage the Jews and prove to them that Jesus is the Christ, you are going to have to engage them with the books they believe is inspired. So they stuck to Genesis to Malachi. Then when people got saved, they now wrote letters to them explaining Genesis to what? Malachi. So, okay, I'll give you an example. Um, turn to the book of Luke. Luke 1. Workers, don't forget, all of you are to put your notes in the workers group after the service. Those of you online, watch your mixer. People are on mixer, right? Are people on mixer? How many are on mixer? Okay. So everybody should send your notes as usual. Praise God. Now, aha, where was I? Aha, now listen. Look 1 1. He says, For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order 
a declaration of those things which are most surely believed where? So that means after people have believed, amen, the Gospels were written to them. You understand? The letters. You understand? The Gospels was, so the, the epistles of the apostles was to the churches. You understand? So the, the epistles were those who have believed to further explain Genesis to Malachi. So, you know, so the purpose of the apostolic letters was for them to have an epignosis, a full and precise understanding of salvation written in Genesis to Malachi. So, the initial message that got them saved was an initial revelation. What the apostles now did in the epistles and in the gospels was to try to get them to have a precise and deep understanding of what the prophets were saying, what Moses was saying, and what the Psalms were saying. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. So, Matthew 26, 56. The scriptures are actually even called the scriptures of the prophets. That's what the scriptures are called. Because all the books of the Bible were written by a prophet. Praise God. All the books. In fact, one of the criteria to determine that a book is inspired is that that person who writes it or wrote it must have been regarded by the people in his time, amen, who have been a prophet. First Peter. Look at First Peter chapter 1 verse 10. All right? It talks about, all right, um, the prophet, whom the prophets did inquire. Searching. What manner of spirit? You understand? What manner of time? The spirit which was in them did testify. You understand? Showing the sufferings of Christ, hallelujah, of which salvation the prophets have inquired. And such did that who prophesied the grace that you come unto you. So it was the prophets that wrote in the scriptures. It was the prophets that prophesied. Because it was only through the agency of a man upon whom the spirit of God rests could there be a declaration of the word of God. Amen. So the scriptures are actually called the scriptures of the prophets. So that means the scriptures were written by the prophets. They were the custodian of the, of the scriptures. Look at Matthew chapter 26, 56. Matthew 26, 56. Hallelujah. Sorry, I hope I'm helping you. I said I hope I'm helping you. I hope you are following. And nobody has been lost. Okay, if you are online and you are following, say, I am on that, I'm following. Just type, I'm following. So I know that you are here and I have not dribbled you away from the goalpost. He says, Matthew 26, 26, he says, but all this was done. You see that? Are you seeing that? What is he referring to? He's talking about the arrest, the death, all that transpired at the cross. When Jesus said, um, I test, Eli, Eli, myself, um, Eli, Eli. Uh, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? That's Psalm. You know that that's Psalm? My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Why have I hid your face far from me? That's Psalm. That's Psalm. Are you following? So he says here, but all this was done. So all the things that was done to Jesus, all the things Jesus said, he said, well, all this was done. That the scriptures of the what? Prophets might be what? Fulfilled. 
Praise God. So Genesis to Malachi, they are the scriptures of the prophets or the only scriptures. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. Second Timothy three fifteen. Le gombra cade sabani cose andisina farangi donde. Now, can we read one to go? It says that, and that from a child, touch, touch, talk to me. And that from a child, that has known what the holy scriptures, the holy scriptures which are able to make the wise unto salvation through faith which is in what. Now, I many of you notice something that the word scriptures there is plural? Right? Is it plural? Now, verse 16, you will notice that the word scripture is what? Is what? Singular. It says all scripture. But the other one says, back on 15, and that from a child that was known the word. Holy scriptures. Now, that word holy scriptures, the word scriptures there is the Greek word grammar. And grammar actually basically means, basically, if I'm going to just say it loosely, it means books. Right? Or letters. So, what 2 Timothy 3.15, when he says holy scriptures, he's talking about the collection of writings. That is the book of Isaiah, the book of Jeremiah. You understand? He talks about those books. So, that is what he is calling Holy Scriptures. So he's talking about sacred books. Are you following? Because at this time, all right, you could have the book of Isaiah alone. You understand? So you're in parchments. So you have scrolls like this. You see this Isaiah scroll. You can so somebody can actually have just Isaiah scrolls. So that's why when you find uh, when Paul was in prison, he writes to uh, one of his disciples and he says, "When you are coming, bring the parchments." Those parchments there, he's talking about the different scrolls. So Isaiah scrolls, Jeremiah scrolls, like that. So Paul wanted him to bring it so that he can continue his study. Are you following? So uh, when he talks about all the scriptures, he's talking about the different books. But when he goes in 16 and says all scripture, he's talking about, talking about, that is, all scripture there is pasagraphy. Graphe there is talking about the writing. That means everything that is written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All of the books, amen, they are, all right, given by the inspiration of God and they are profitable. So he's saying all of the sacred writings are inspired and because they are inspired, they are profitable for what? Doctrine. They are profitable for what? Reproof. They are profitable for what? Instruction in what? In righteousness. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Aha. Now, what is the Gospels or the Epistles called? Now, because all that Jesus or all that God proposed to do through Christ was in the Old Testament, but in the Old Testament, in types and shadows. Amen. The Bible says that for the law was a what? Was a shadow of what? Things to come and not having the what? The substance of the things. So the message of Christ was in the law as a typology. Was in the prophets, praise God, as a prophecy. Was in the Psalms as a spiritual prophetic song. So because it's a spiritual prophetic song, it pointed to what would happen in the future. The prophets pointed to what will happen 
um, in Christ for the, in the future. Isaiah 53. All right? Amen. All right? Isaiah 52. In the future, Isaiah 7, 14. All right? A virgin, behold, a virgin shall conceive and shall give birth to a child that shall call his name Emmanuel. Those things were prophecies of the future. Isaiah 61, and the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. The spirit of the... All those things, what? Yes, the, the Lord has anointed me, all right? Um, anointed me what, to preach the good news. All those things were in the future. Glory to God. They were what? In the future. They were in the future. So, you find that the epistles and the gospels, because in the Old Testament... Every single thing about Christ was stated, but it was a mystery. Glory to God. It was a secret. That was why, even though the Jews were reading the Bible, Genesis to Malachi, every day, Jesus Christ was standing in front of them, but they missed it. Because his identity was a mystery in Scripture. Are you following what I'm saying? His identity was a what? A mystery in scripture. So what is the purpose of the epistles and the gospels? The epistles and the gospels are to reveal and explain the secrets. So that it will not remain a word, a secret or a mystery. So the epistles are now called the revelation of the mystery. Let me show you this quickly. Glory to God. Romans 16. Romans 16 and 25. So, when you are reading the epistles, you will find out that they quote a lot of the Old Testament. Are you following that? When you are reading tongues, praise God, in Acts 2, what does Peter do? He quotes Joel. When you are reading tongues in 1 Corinthians 14, Alright, what does Paul do? He quotes Isaiah, with men of other tongues and stammering lips will I what? Speak to this nation. Glory to God. When you are talking about the new covenant, alright, in Hebrews, alright, what does this guy do? Uh, Paul quotes Ezekiel. Because they wrote the epistles to explain the prophets. Hallelujah. So, Romans 16, 25. Now to him that is of power to establish you, according to my gospel, and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the what? According to what? Read it again. Now to him that is of power to establish you, according to my gospel, and the preaching of, preaching of what? Jesus Christ, according to the what? Revelation of what? The mystery. The secret. Which was kept secret since the what? The world began. When you see, you see the world began, it is scriptural. The word began scripturally where? In Genesis. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. I'm sorry, in the beginning, God created what? The heavens. That is the, when the word began. So he's telling you that the revelation of the mystery, or the mystery, is in the beginning. But we are revealing that mystery, and the revelation of the mystery is what we call the gospel message. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, whatever subject matter we want to expound on, whatever subject matter we want to teach, we are going to have to do it, glory to God, by looking at the entire counsel of Scripture. 
and not by cherry picking scripture. For example, someone comes and says, "It's tithing." Um, in New Testament, we don't we don't tithe. Praise God. Tithing is under the law. Amen. Now, that when they say, "Okay, what's your response to that?" Then you now quote a few scriptures. No, that's why you do it. Glory to God. So the, you will start in Genesis. Were they tithing in Genesis? Amen? So you will start in Genesis. And you know Genesis is divided into two parts. There is Genesis before the fall. Then there is Genesis what? After the fall. Are, are you following? Are you following? Good. Now, was there tithing before the fall? No. Praise the Lord. No. Was there giving before the fall? Yes. Who did the giving? God gave man. Praise God. Man was supposed to give God something, which was himself. He didn't. Are you with me? Then you now go to after the fall. Because tithes, when it shows up, it shows up in connection to a priest. Melchizedek. Is that correct? Uh-huh. And Abraham gave the tithe to Melchizedek without the law. And when he gave the tithe to Melchizedek, the priest, what did he do? What did the priest do? Blessed him. Which means that tithing is connected to priesthood and it is a practice that communicates honor. Are, are you following? So, you see that then. We don't see any tithing anymore until Jacob. Jacob vows, I'm going to give tithe. Are you following? I'll give tithe. No law, no compulsion. He says, I'm going to give a tithe. Of all that. We don't see any proof that he actually did that thing, but he said he would. Are you following that? Then we go that. Then before I know it, we now find that we find ourselves where? In Exodus. Then Exodus, tithing now becomes a law. Praise God. It is a law, and it's also connected to what? The Levitical priests. Praise God. But there's something that we find consistent even when Titan was present. And it is that the heroes of faith, the guys that are called the heroes of faith, you know, being like Abraham, men like David, okay, had something else about their giving culture in that their giving was not tied to the tithe. David, for example, when it was time to build God's house, what did he do? The, the Bible tells us that David was he prepared generously all of the material things that was going to be used to build God's house. Then, even when we even look at Israel, when they were in the wilderness, and the Bible tells us that a, a Moses made a call that they wanted to build the tabernacle, the Bible says that the people gave generously. They gave so much that Moses had to stop them. Are you seeing that? So we find out something that though tithing was connected to priests and it was something that was given in honor, then we later find that it was established under the law. We are not under the law, so we do not tithe under, you know, because of the law. But we find out something that is very consistent from Genesis to Malachi and it's generosity. Praise God. Generosity, that's what we see. We see generosity. We see Solomon's generosity. 
we see David's generosity. We see the generosity of the children of Israel when he came to building God's house. We see generosity when they were rebuilding the house of uh, God that fell during the time of Ezra. Amen. All right. So we see generosity. So we see generosity towards God as something that is we find through Genesis to Malachi. And we find that when we see that generosity towards God, a prophet will come and commend that disposition. Glory to God. David's generosity towards God when he puts the Ark of the Covenant in a tent and he was living in a house of cedar. And he says, how can I dwell in a house of cedar and the Ark of God dwell in a tent? And he says he wants to build God's house. God sent a prophet to commend him. Are you seeing that? So we now begin to, because you cannot just answer that question that way. Glory to God. Glory to God. Then we look at Jesus. Come to the Gospels. This same giving we are talking about. Look at Jesus. Come to the Gospels. Jesus goes into a temple. And the Bible says that Jesus was watching, observing as people were giving. And a lot of people gave, gave, gave. Then one widow came, and the Bible says she dropped two mites. And Jesus tells his disciples that that woman gave more than everybody. Why? He said, she had two. She gave two. That means she gave what? 100%. So she's poor. She's a widow. Yet her poverty did not affect her generosity. So Jesus commends her for her generosity. Irrespective of her situation. Are you following? So if you do not study the way Jesus did... You are going to arrive at positions that are wrong. You will be quoting scriptures and you will be wrong. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Just as the Pharisees quoted Moses on divorce and felt they were right. Until Jesus showed up and said they were wrong. Because he says at the beginning it was not what? It was not so. Praise God. At the beginning, it was not so. So someone comes and talks about pastors. That what is this full-time ministry? Pastors should not be in full-time ministry. They should go and work. Mm. Now, instead of arguing like somebody that is not a member of OIKEA, where you are taught the word of God, you, you, know, you, you share it from scripture. Because Paul, in responding to that, quotes the prophet. He says, thou shalt not muzzle the ox. That treads the what? The corn. He says that the minister of the gospel is an ox walking in a field. And while he's walking, his mouth is not supposed to be what? To be closed. He is supposed to eat where he's walking. Because that ministry work he's doing is work. Amen. Is work. So do sir. Hallelujah. So I've used it to Wednesdays as foundation. So that next week when we start taking topics, you would have had a word foundation. You will now understand how we are doing it. Amen. So for example, when we talk about should women be preachers, we will start from Genesis. Praise God. When he says, male and female created it them. And he said to them, be fruitful and what? Multiply. It means the mandate was to the two. Not to one. So the mandate to male is the mandate to what? To female. Glory to God. Now, when you want to now quote that the man 
is the head of the woman, and because the man is the head of the woman, the woman should not preach. Amen. Come on now. Amen. Uh -huh. Amen. You will have to quote to me after the fall. Because you will now begin to say that the woman is subject to the man because it was one of the proclamations that we find in Genesis 3 after the fall. Say unto your husband shall all your desires be. He will rule over you. You understand? But my response will be like Jesus. In the beginning, it was not what? In the beginning, it was not what? It was not so. And we now begin to understand that when the scripture talks about man and woman in context of marriage, we must separate that from man and woman in context of Christ. You must not confuse it. Praise God. Let me say that again. When the scripture talks about man and woman in context of marriage, you must not confuse that from what the scripture says, man and woman in context of what? Of Christ. Praise God. So, the man is the head. The husband is the head of the wife. Not man is the head of the woman. No. It's husband that is head of what? Husband. What does husband mean? Somebody that has married somebody. Wife. What does it mean? Someone that has been married to somebody. That is different from man and woman. Every man is not the head of every woman. No. Glory to God. That's not what the Bible said. Is husband, head of wife, not man, head of woman. The context is marriage. In, when he's talking about that. Glory to God. Says there is neither male nor female in Christ. Born nor free. So that means in Christ is genderless. In Christ. So the, the, the go ye therefore and teach all nations. It's an instruction to women. As it is to men. The spirits does not rest on us based on our genitalia. So, Holy Ghost, don't come. I say, woman, ah, breast. I don't want, no, 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 no. It's only people that have penis I'm going to, no. Or to heal the sick. No, no, I can't move with uh, women. No, no, they menstruate. Ah, no, no, no. The, no, it's rubbish. And God has given us several examples throughout the scriptures and throughout history to show it's rubbish. He will use women if women are, are you following? Look at Ketchin Kuma. God used that well. Used that. <laughs> to the point where Robert was saying, he's more anointed than I am. You don't understand. Our Robert has been holding healing meetings since the 40s. Ketchin Kuma's ministry shot into the public eye in the 50s, late 50s, 60s. Yet, our Robert attended, our Robert would go and sit down in Ketchin Kuma's meeting. Do you understand? You know what I mean? That's like Pastor Adebo is going to sit down in somebody's a woman's meeting. Not to minister, to observe. To observe, oh. Say, I just came here to be blessed. Are you following what I'm saying? And Robert sat down. And after he said, I have never seen a man that is as anointed as this person. What is God doing? He's saying, look, you are the one, you see people that interpreted the Bible wrongly, oh, that women can be preachers. If you like, stay with your wrong interpretation. It won't stop me from using women. <laughs> amen. I said, amen. amen. I'll use them. If you reject them, it's your problem. You die with your problem. 
I will put the grace on them to meet your needs. If you like to say they are not, they are not called. That's your personal problem. Hallelujah. All scriptures, we have examples. Let me end with this. Wrong Bible interpretation will not stop what God wants to do on the earth. It will just limit what God is able to do through you. Hallelujah. There are a lot of folks. I see them on Twitter and everywhere. Many of them are talking about if your church allows women to pastor, they are out of the and I'm looking at it. My brother, continue talking your rubbish. God is using a lot of women. The only problem is this. He will not use them for you. So, if God is moving to her, if you had cancer and there's this woman that God is grace person to heal cancer, every other person will be healed. It's you that will not be healed. It's your personal problem. It doesn't affect God. Hallelujah. So, there is nothing as dangerous as ruling yourself out of God's blessings because you have interpreted the scriptures wrongly. There are some folks that believe that the prophets, the last prophet died with the apostles. Cessationists. Where he says, God is not speaking, um, God is not speaking to people now. That when God wants to speak to you, he will speak to you through the Bible, through the written word alone. And I find that very funny. Do you know why? Because we just explained what the Bible was written about. Is that all correct? Why was the Bible written? Come on now. Why, why was the Bible written? What was the point of the entire scriptures? The Old Testament was written to what? To foretell Christ. Is that correct? Is that correct? So that means all the Old Testament is, is to tell you that Jesus was going to come. He's going to be born in a manger. He will be here. So that when he comes, you will be able to recognize him. Then, what is the New Testament written about? To what? To explain the fulfillment of what was what? Foretold. That is it. Hallelujah. Now, how will God tell you? He said, oh, you have to look at the scriptures for you to know the spirit. Said, okay, good. God, the spirit of God is trying to tell you that if you don't travel by plane tomorrow, if you travel by plane tomorrow, that plane is going to have an accident. How will you see it in the Bible? Which verse is that plane written inside? Are you following what I'm saying? Praise God. When the Bible tells us that the Spirit of God told Agabus that there was a famine and he should want the church. And Agabus comes and signifies. How did, which verse of the Bible did Agabus read to know the exact time and date when that famine will come? Are you seeing what I'm saying? Okay. When the Spirit of God goes and tells Ananias, Arise, Ananias, there is a brother called Paul who is staying in a street called Straight. Brother, where in the Bible is a street called Straight written that I would have read it to be led by God to go to the street called Straight and find Paul? Are you following what I'm saying? Are you seeing how stupid the thing is? If Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that means that Jesus, the spirit of Jesus that was speaking yesterday to people and led them about their daily lives is the same spirit of Jesus speaking to us today and leads us in our daily lives and the same spirit of Jesus that will speak to people tomorrow. If that's not the case, then that spirit of Jesus is not consistent. And if it's not consistent, it's fake. Hallelujah. Have we learned something today? Can we just lift our hands and just worship God? Bless his holy name. Hallelujah. Woo! Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For more messages, 
kindly search for our telegram channel using the link t.me slash oikia cc god has blessed you